Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, hello, Calvary. How's everyone doing today? It's exciting to be here with you today. Excited to give you this word today. Uh, you know, a while back, I feel like God started laying something on my heart. And uh, when Pashet asked me, hey, would you be able to preach? I'm like, I know exactly what, where God wants me to go with this. So excited for today, excited for uh, God's word. Uh, before we jump into that, you know, I'm a guy that loves great stories that end in a comeback. You know, you see that a lot in sports. You know, um, you see those comeback stories. I'm a guy that likes to sit on ESPN and watch those E60 ones, and they do those comeback stories. Uh, but there's one comeback story that really just gets me excited, and I want to direct our eyes to the screens and watch this comeback story. Back inside, pulls it up, misses. Rebound taken by Iguodala. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Curry, one-on-one, Irving puts it up, it's good, Kyrie Irving from downtown! Love picks up Curry, Curry steps back, takes the three, drives again, shut off nicely, found to Green, seven to shoot, Curry takes the three, steps back, crossover, puts up a three! Rebound, James! 6.5 seconds remain. Ball's inbounded to Curry, don't foul him as Curry fires a three, he missed it, loose ball tip, grabbed by Spates, Spates fires, and this one is over! Believe it, Cleveland! Savor it! Soak it in! Soak it in. Every time I see that video, I get so pumped up. If you don't know much about that, the Cleveland Cavs were in the NBA Finals in 2016 here, and they were playing the Golden State Warriors. And they were down three games to one. Golden State that year had the best NBA record. It was 73 wins and nine losses. No one gave Cleveland a chance. So there's no way anybody can beat these Warriors. No team had ever come back in the finals down three to one. But the Cavs did. They forced a game seven. Game seven was back and forth all night. Now imagine this, back and forth all night. In my house, I was up and down, moving all over the place. My wife's like, well, you just sit down. I couldn't sit down. Then you see it. The Warriors come down, take a, I mean, I'm sorry, the Cavs come down to take a shot. The Warriors rebound it. Easy layup. And LeBron comes out of nowhere. Blocks the shot. Kyrie comes down, hits the three-pointer. The Cavs lock up and play some defense. What you don't hear at the end of that video are these words. The guy, the announcer, says, Cleveland is a city of champions again. Whew. <laughs> 54 years it took to become a city of champions again. Those words give me goosebumps. The Cavs had a setback. They were down, but they didn't stop. They didn't give up. With all the odds stacked against them, they made the comeback. Now, many of you guys know I'm a Cleveland fan all the way around. But my passion, my number one team, 
is the Browns. I love the Browns. Growing up, my dad took me to many games as a kid, and I was, I've been to some great games, and I've been to some really bad games. And today, being a season ticket holder, I try to get to as many games as possible. But I love going there. I love cheering on my team. Being a Browns fan, we've experienced many setbacks. So many, the NFL decided to do a film on the top 10 worst losses in the history of football. Guess who was number two? Cleveland. I didn't know about this video. I didn't know it. A friend of mine sent me this video, and I want to show you this video, but I want you to pay close attention towards the end of this video. Let's go ahead and watch this video. The number two most devastating losses of all time, the drive and the fumble. You know your city is in trouble when there are is one devastating loss nickname. This city has two. If you're in Cleveland and you say the drive and the fumble, it makes the fans want to throw up. Clevelanders, bear with us as we regurgitate the details of this one-two punch of devastation that rocked the city. See that? That is me. How did the NFL get me in the stadium? I'm there. I was amazed when I saw that. That sitbacks of the Browns. But here's what's exciting. After so many years of setbacks, guess what's happening? The Browns are making a comeback. It's been rough. Early, long, I should say a long time ago, the Browns were a team that was kind of winning and doing things, and then the owner took them and moved them to Baltimore. There was a couple seasons that there was no team in Cleveland, and then they returned, and since they returned, they've been, they've been bad. They've been bad. 18 years of no playoffs. Guess what? That ended. That ended last Sunday. We saw the Browns in the playoffs. But here's where the story even gets crazier. It's been 17 seasons of losing to the Steelers in Pittsburgh. That's 17 years. So here the playoffs start. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. But they got to go play their big brother, the Steelers, in Pittsburgh. But man, Sunday night was amazing. Here they come, Cleveland comes out, they win, the Browns are on a comeback. And I'm so loving this season. And I know, hey, we got a tough matchup coming up, but I believe they can win. Comebacks are miracles. That's why we love them so much. In our lives, we're going to have setbacks. In some regards, we say 2020 was a setback. In my life, 2020, we did experience some setbacks. You know, my son graduated from college. We were looking forward to in May that, hey, we're going to celebrate by watching you come across that stage and get your, your diploma, your degree, you know, and that didn't happen. A little bit of setback, but we moved forward. That's that summer, you know, a few months later, 
My son married the girl of his dreams. Planning that wedding, we had a guest list that was pretty big, but we had a setback. We had to trim that down. But you know what? We moved forward and we still had a beautiful wedding. In November, COVID hit our house. There's a couple of our family members that got COVID. I had a quarantine. It was a setback. But we have moved forward and we're in a new year. It's only a few weeks into this new year and some of you are dealing with some setbacks still from last year or you're experiencing some new ones. And what I'm afraid of can happen is we get caught up in our setbacks and we never move forward. Sometimes the setback we experience leaves us feeling defeated without a, way, without a way to move forward. But you have to have a setback to have a comeback. So how do you take a setback and turn it into a comeback? That's what I want to look at today. And I've titled my message today, The Comeback. And what you do in your setback determines your comeback. What you do in your setback determines your comeback. We all go through setbacks. We all go through difficulties in life. It's common. It's life. And we see this over and over in God's word. And God specializes in comebacks. The Bible is full of comebacks. You open the Bible from the beginning all the way to the end. You'll see setbacks taking place, but you'll see comebacks taking place. God specializes in these comebacks. Today, I want to look at one of these comeback stories, and I want to look at the life of Joseph. If you have your Bibles in print or digital form with me today, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Now, the story of Joseph is 13 chapters long, and today we don't have time to go over those 13 chapters. So what we're going to do is we're going to unpack those 13 chapters, but we're going to do it from a helicopter view. We're going to look down on the story of Joseph. But I encourage you to take some time this week to go back and look at the story of Joseph. Read those 13 chapters. It's an amazing story. Joseph's life is amazing, all the things that take place there. So Genesis chapter 37, this is where we'll start today. Now Joseph is the son of Jacob and Rachel. He's the 11th boy out of 12. Imagine what that food bill was. 12 boys. The crazy thing is this. He's clearly dad's favorite child, which isn't good. We know this can cause dysfunction in a family. It can, it can, you, when you do that, you say, when you tell one of your kids, hey, you're my favorite, and the other siblings find this out, that can cause some dysfunction in the family. Growing up, it was just my sister and I, and uh, I'm the older one, and she's just a couple years younger than me. Uh, I would tell her all the time, hey, Nicole, guess what? I'm the favorite. Guess what? Mom and dad love me more. And this would drive her crazy to the point I would just keep doing it, keep poking at her. Can you imagine me doing that? But I just kept poking and poking at her, telling her I'm the favorite. And she would run off and start crying and tell my mom and dad. And then my mom and dad would do 
bring us in, sit us down, and say, now guys, you know we love both of you the same amount. Neither one of you are our favorite. We love you the same amount. Still today, though, if I give my mom and dad a gift or a card, I will sign it, your favorite. I don't say your loving son. I say your favorite. And they know it's from me. They'll say, oh, thank you, Keith. And I always look at my sister. See, I told you I was the favorite. (laughs) Joseph didn't get the memo here. He makes it very clear that Joseph is the favorite. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Let's look at that today. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age, so one day Jacob had a special gift made for him. Joseph, he made a beautiful robe. He had gave him this beautiful robe. This coat had many, many colors. Now this coat was long sleeves, and it extended all the way down to Joseph's ankles. You can't work very well in a garment like that that has long sleeves and extends all the way to your ankles. Especially if it's this robe that states, man, look, I'm rich. I got power here. It's as fancy. It'd be like sending a welder to the construction site wearing a full-length mink coat. In Joseph's day, the working garb was short sleeves, and it allowed the guys and allowed the workers to have their arms and legs free so the workers can move easily. Given an elaborate full-length coat like the one Joseph had was a sign of somebody who was important in that day. His father was boldly implying, you can wear this beautiful garment because you don't have to work like those brothers of yours. Now the brothers, they saw this, and they saw Joseph wearing this coat, and they hated him. They couldn't speak kind words of him. They couldn't speak even any kind words to him. They're like, look, Joseph, in your little special coat, you are dad's favorite. We can't stand you. We don't like you. And it's good to know, you know, in this story here, when this story starts to take off, Joseph is about 17 years old. Then to make it even worse, Joseph starts to have these dreams from God about his future. He has a dream, and he tells his brothers, hey guys, guess what? I had a dream, and you guys need to hear this dream. He tells them that we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Look at what scripture says of how his brothers responded to this. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 8, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Now it doesn't stop there. Joseph has another dream. He goes to his brothers again. He says, guys, Guess what? I had another dream. God gave me another dream, and you really want to hear this one. This one's good. He tells them, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Bowing down to me. Can you imagine this? Here's your little brother, who you know is your father's favorite. And now this? 
This drives the brothers crazy. They're already mad at him. They are, there's already tension in the family. They don't want nothing to do with Joseph. And this is the last straw for the brothers. The brothers, we find out in the story here, are out working. And Joseph's at home. And Joseph's father asks him to go check on his brothers. So Joseph, with his coat, heads out to find his brothers. In Genesis 37, 19, I, wanna, I want you guys to see this here. It says, here comes that dreamer. Can you see the tension already from the brothers? Here comes that dreamer. I can picture them right now. They're out there and like, man, here comes that dreamer. I'm so sick of this guy. Look at him in his fancy coat. Man. They said to each other, come, now let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that, the, that a uh, ferocious animal de devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. The brothers are done with Joseph. They've had enough. They come up with a plan to kill him and throw him in a cistern. If you never heard of that, it's a hole or a pit, either, it's uh, either hollowed out of limestone or dug in the ground and lined with plaster. Since most of Israel's rainfall is confined to three or four months of the year, these, these cisterns collected the rainwater and they made it available during the dry months of you know, that time. During this part of the story, we see most likely it was dry and there was nothing in the pit. So the brothers get together they capture him, they strip him of his robe, and throw him in the pit. And then they sit back, and they eat their meal. Joseph's in a pit, so guess what? It's time for dinner. He's there. While sitting there, one of the brothers has this bright idea to sell him into slavery. And this is where everything shifts for Joseph. One day, he's his dad's favorite. He's having dreams from God. And next out of nowhere, he's in a pit and sold to slavery. This is the first setback for Joseph in his life. And it's in this setback he learns something that I think we can all learn. The setbacks that hurt the worst involve the people you love the most. It's, it's the setbacks that hurt the worst that involve the people you love the most. It's that broken relationship. It's that failed marriage. It's the friend that stabs you in the back. It's the words spoken to you by one of your friends. It's the words spoken to you by your parents. It's the loss of trust. It's the loss of someone you love. The setbacks that hurt the worst involve the people we love the most. Some of you today may be dealing with a setback because of a loved one. You're sitting here today and you know what this means. You know how this feels. Maybe at Christmas this past year, something was said at the dinner table. Something that hurt you or hurt the family, divided the family. So maybe it's something you read on social media that sets you back. We all will have experience setbacks. But what I want us to understand is this. It's what you do in your setback that determines your outcome. It determines your comeback, sorry. It's what you do in your setback 
that determines your comeback. What are you doing right now in your setback to determine your comeback? So we pick back up in the story. Joseph is taken to Egypt, and he's a slave in Potiphar's house. Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 3. The Lord was with Joseph so that, that he prospered, and he lived in the house in his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. This is important to see this right here. Joseph found favor and Potiphar put him in charge of the household. He entrusted him to everything that he owned. From the time Joseph was put in charge of the household, the Lord blessed the household. The Lord blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And today I want to give you three principles to think about when you find yourself in a setback. And the first one is this. There's new opportunity hidden in every setback. There's new opportunity hidden in every setback. Joseph was trusted with authority. He was someone who could speak on behalf of the master. He was able to make decisions. So this setback in Joseph's life was actually his first step to greatness. A question I have for you is, can you see the opportunity that is hiding in your setback? Can you see it? Or are you blinded by the pain of disappointment? Keith, it's so painful. It's so unfair. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know why God did this to me. And I don't know why either. But what is God setting you up for? You can dwell on the pain and the disappointment or realize that maybe God is setting you up for a comeback. God has more for you. Don't live on the pain of today. I feel like so many of us get into our setback and we stop because we say, hey, the pain is too much. I can't take this and I can't go on, so I'm not going to try to move forward. I'm just going to sit here in my pain. The pain is too much. And you have to believe God is going to do something amazing in your life. And this is what Joseph did. He trusted God, he stayed faithful, and he moved forward. And I believe there's a blessing that comes from the Lord when we live faithfully for him, when we trust him. Now this story could end right here. You have the setback, and you, now you have the comeback. It'd be a great comeback story. Thrown in a pit, left for dead, a slave in a foreign land. Joseph rises to the top and has amazing influence in leadership. That would be a great comeback story. But here's the thing about life. There are multiple sitbacks we'll go through. And sometimes there's a sitback after sitback. It comes in waves. Man, you get done with one, there's another setback. And they just keep rolling in, setback after setback. And as much blessing as Joseph had, he had another setback. Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 8. Now Joseph was a well-built, handsome man. 
Look at that. When I, I read that, I always think if there was a story about Keith in the Bible, I would say Keith was a well-built, handsome man. But yeah, this is about Joseph. So now Joseph was a well-built, handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice, notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Here's Joseph. He's going about his day. He's doing his job. When Potiphar's wife comes to him and says, Joseph, hello, Joseph, you handsome man, you. Why don't you come to bed with me? Joseph refused and tells her, look, my master has entrusted me to everything he owns. He has entrusted it to my care. He goes on to tell her, he has withheld nothing from me except you. He tells her, I can do no such wicked thing and sin against God. That's amazing. Look at this. Joseph didn't give in to the temptation. He refused. Joseph tells her no. And she doesn't give up, though. She keeps coming to him every day. Joseph, Joseph. Finally, she corners Joseph. And then she grabs a hold of his robe, pulls his robe off. And you know what does Joseph do? He takes off running. He doesn't stick around. He runs. He runs from the temptation. She was so upset by this that she took his robe and showed her husband and said, look what Joseph tried to do with me. He tried to go to bed with me. Potiphar was so angry by this, he responded by putting Joseph in prison. And this is setback number two. So what do we do when we, so what can we do when we see this? What can we learn from this? Is this, you can do everything right and still suffer a setback. You can do everything right and still suffer a setback. All that Joseph did was he's faithful. He's faithful to his master. And he said no to temptation. And he still had a setback. You can do everything right. You can be living right. You can be obeying God, raising your kids in a godly home, giving generously, serving others, taking care of your health. You're doing it all. And all of a sudden, you suffer an earth-shattering comeback, I mean setback. God, how can this happen? This isn't fair. How could you allow me to go through this again? I'm doing everything right. The second principle you need to remember in a setback is that God is with you in every season. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God was with Joseph. In the pit, God was with Joseph at Potiphar's house, and God was with Joseph in prison. Today, I know some of you are dealing with something similar. You're doing everything right, and you're getting hit with setbacks. And you're just like, God, I just, what's going on? 
I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm praying. I'm getting hit. And it's starting to get frustrating. And you're starting to get discouraged. I want you to know this. Know that God is with you. I want to show you some verses today that will help you remember that God is with you when you're going through this and you feel like, man, where is God during this time? Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See that? Your Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalms 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I'm surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's with you. One of the easiest and hurtful things to do to your faith is to interpret that the pain, pain by thinking that God has left you. God, I'm suffering in my setback and I'm so disappointed. It must mean that you don't care about me. I've heard people say that. I must not be important to you, God. And this is not true. In the middle of your setback, you have to remember, God has been with you the whole time. Do not interpret the pain that he's gone. Do not interpret the setback that God doesn't care. That's exactly what the devil, our enemy, wants you to do. The enemy wants you to get lost in the bitterness and the wonder and wander away from God. So many times I've watched people who have some setbacks, they get so bitter by this, they wander away from God. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to wander away from God. The enemy doesn't want you to be part of a comeback story. And we have to rise up and say to the enemy, enemy, hey, not today. Mm, not today. It's not going to happen. My God is with me. He's for me, with me in the midst of my pit. This brings me to the third principle. The third thing you should do while you're in a setback is this align your will with God's will. Align your will with God's will. When you align your will with God's will, you're prime for a comeback. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And when you align yourself with the plans and the purposes of God, then you can truly have a comeback. God, whatever you want for me, whatever you are speaking to me, whatever you have for me, no matter what it looks like, God, I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to love you. But here's the spoiler alert. It never looks the way you thought it would. It never looks that way. The journey of life, the purposes and plans of God for your life rarely turn out the way you think they will. It's always different. There's always setbacks. Joseph lands in prison. He's there for years. And then God does something amazing. God gives Joseph the chance to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And it's an amazing interpretation. 
And all of a sudden, because of this, Joseph finds himself in charge of a nation of Egypt. He has authority of the whole country. And with wisdom, he comes up with this plan to save the country from starving. He turns them into a powerful land during a period, that period. All that because of Joseph. In the long run, Joseph's father and brothers would come down and bow down before him as a high-ranking official in the most powerful nation on earth during that time. So one of Joseph's first dreams come to true. Today, you might feel like Joseph did at one time. You're having setbacks. You're in a pit right now. You might feel like you're forgotten in prison. I just want to let you know, don't get stuck there. So many people get stuck there. And you have to remember, God is able to take your setback and turn it into a comeback. God is able to set you up for that comeback. God is writing a bigger story with your life than you can see or imagine. And our setbacks and comebacks aren't just about us. It's about so many more people. Our setbacks and comebacks aren't just about us. It's about so many more people. Think about Joseph during his setbacks. People followed him. He had influence. He had leadership. He had all this during his setbacks. And so many times, people know you're dealing with a setback. And they're watching, and they're seeing, they're seeing how you act during this setback. The way you act or talk to someone during your setbacks. Your setbacks have a huge influence on people. Your setback can be a witness for God. That hard time you're going through right now can actually be a witness for God. The way you act during that, the way you live your life during that can be a witness for God. You actually can lead people to Christ during your setback. It's what you do during your setback that determines your comeback. What did Joseph do during that setback? He trusted God, he stayed faithful, and he moved forward. He trusted God. He didn't run away from God. He didn't give up on God. He said, God, I'm going to trust you. He stayed faithful. He worshiped God. He moved forward. He didn't let us sit back, hold him back. He kept moving forward. So in your sit back that you're dealing with right now, trust God, stay faithful, and keep moving forward. What does that mean when I say those things? What does it mean to trust God and stay faithful and keep moving forward? Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own standing. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Hold on to that verse there. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own standing and always submit him, submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. Trust in him. 
And this is what he, Joseph did. Trusting in God means that no matter what happens, you return to him instead of away. Even in the hard times, Joseph trusted God. No matter what you're dealing with, you have to put your full trust in God, just like Joseph. How do you stay faithful? Joseph was 17 years old when this story starts in Genesis, when we pick up here in chapter 37. He was 17 years old when he got these dreams from God. And by the time he reached the high level of greatness, he was in his 30s. Joseph's story just didn't happen overnight. It took years. And some of you, God has given you a dream and you're sitting here and you're saying, man, God, when is it going to happen? I'm going to just give up on it. No, God gave you a dream. And you got to trust him. You got to stay faithful to him and say, God, that dream that you gave me, I know it's going to happen. If it takes a year, if it takes 13 years, if it takes most of my life, you gave me a dream and God, you want to use it. Over these years, Joseph remained faithful to God by honoring him, being obedient to him and everything. Joseph in his time of temptation didn't fall to temptation. He stayed faithful to God. In your time of temptation, through your setback, be like Joseph. Run. That's how we stay faithful to God. We run from those temptations. And in return, just like Joseph, God will give you favor. Joseph kept moving forward. He didn't allow his setbacks to stop him. He kept moving. And some of you right now, you're in your setback and you stopped. You're not moving anymore. And God's saying, look, trust me. I got plans for you. I'm writing your story. Just keep moving. I know you're hurting right now, but keep moving. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you get through that. Your story. I'm gonna use it to bring more people to me. Keep moving during your setbacks. And today, that's how I wanna end. If you're here in this room today, if you're watching online, I'm just gonna ask, can you just stand with me tonight and just say, you know what, God? We have setbacks in life. And they hurt. How many of you can even just say, you know, by raising your hand, you know what, I'm dealing with some setbacks in my life. You know, I, I have them. And tonight, we're just going to do this. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to trust God. And we're going to stay faithful. And how do we do that? One of the things we can do is we're just going to praise God. Pastor Bill and the team are going to come back and they're going to lead us in this song. And during this song, I just ask you just to, wherever you're at, if you can lift your hands, open your heart, and just say, God, this is my setback. 
God, you know my setback, but here it is. And God, I love you. And no matter how hard it is, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna stay faithful, God, and I'm gonna move forward. So as we sing this tonight, just open your hearts. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high with our creation. Come on, one more time. We'll see him. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise The God of breakthroughs. The God of breakthroughs on our today that are just saying, I have a setback. God, I pray for those people today that you just touch them right now, God. Help them in their time of their setback. But God, let them see that you're there with them. God, I pray for every setback that God, you turn it into that comeback. And that comeback brings more and more people to your kingdom, God. God, we pray that you use us for your kingdom. God, we're so thankful that when we put our trust in you, when we're faithful to you, God, you show us favor, you give us favor. 
So God, use us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.